Good morning, everyone. I'm R.W. Estella with a word in edgewise. Today is the 20th of February, the 51st day of 2023, with 314 days to make grand plans before 2024 clicks in. We have one week remaining in Black History Month. And we still have time in this traditional month of purification, the month that made it from the Julian calendar into the Gregorian, to contemplate, to meditate, to reflect, like poet Mark Strand tending the spirit of another poet in Wallace Stevens comes back to read his poems at the 92nd Street Y. All that I wrote was a hymn to desire, to the semblances and stages of bliss. Heavenward tonight, February's new moon will be located on the same side of the earth as the sun and will not be visible on the night sky, which makes for the best time of this month to observe faint objects such as galaxies and star clusters, because no moonlight will interfere. Then the next two evenings, Tuesday and Wednesday, in the western sky an hour after sunset, our waxing crescent moon will be keeping company with Venus and Jupiter. Today in 1725, a group of 88 scalp hunters, led by John Lovewell, attacked a band of Abenaki Indians sleeping in a wigwam near Wakefield, New Hampshire. The scalp hunting rangers were motivated by the British-sponsored programs that offered bounties of 100 British pounds per scalp. Such programs were also in effect in Maine, where a facsimile of one of the original bounty posters can be seen at the museum on Indian Island near Old Town. Today in 1816, Rossini's comic opera The Barber of Seville premiered in Rome, Italy. Today in 1861, the Navy of the Confederate States, or CSN, was formed at the beginning of America's Civil War. Today in 1938, Adolf Hitler announced his support for Japan during the Sino-Japanese War. Today in 1941, departing Plotsk, Poland, the first transport of Jews to concentration camps occurred, while the Nazis also ordered Polish Jews barred from using public transportation. Today in 1944, the Batman and Robin comic series strip premiered in newspapers. Today, in 1959, at age 16, in the Temple de Hirsch Synagogue basement in Seattle, Washington, rock and roll guitarist Jimi Hendrix played his first gig and was fired after the first set due to wild playing. Today, in 1962, aboard Friendship 7, John Glenn became the first American to orbit the Earth. And today, in 1963, future Baseball Hall of Fame outfielder Willie Mays became the highest paid player then in Major League Baseball when he signed a $100,000 contract with the San Francisco Giants. Two weeks ago, the White House announced that our government will no longer be officially concerned about COVID as an emergency come May. Basically, COVID has evolved into becoming another major concern that, though life-threatening and most definitely an emergency for more than a few, has for most gone into the nebulous realm of whatever.
In other words, the move from considering COVID a pandemic to passing it off as simply endemic has been underway for a while. Most of us know how useful euphemisms can be. To diminish the anxiety and stress of thinking about how horrendous something is, we prefer to phrase it innocuously, assuaging ourselves by removing as much fear as possible, even when the fear is well-grounded. We are perhaps becoming almost comfortable with a world turned upside down, where negative is positive and vice versa. For example, it's a good thing to be testing negative for COVID, and if you've tested positive, that's a bad thing. The U.S. Centers for Disease Control continue to list COVID as the number three cause of death in our country. Number one is heart disease, number two is cancer, number three is COVID. Number four are accidents, which makes things interesting. In 2022, 300,000 people died of COVID and 200,000 people died from accidents, any sort of accident. U.S. traffic accidents account for 46,000 of the total accident death toll. So here's a way to think about that. You're seven times more likely to die from COVID than you are to die in a traffic accident. Moreover, data analysis from the Smith Heart Institute at Cedars-Sinai found that deaths from heart attacks have risen significantly during the pandemic. Meanwhile, the New York Times recently comments, deaths remain persistently high. On average, more than 3,000 people are dying of COVID in the U.S. each week. Also this past week, the daily average of reported cases has been around 38,000. Unless someone close to you has succumbed to COVID, 3,000 people dying per week may not seem like a big number, but another way to think about the death rate is to imagine that every three minutes in the U.S., someone, somewhere, is dying from COVID. Locally, here in Orono, spring semester classes are now only in their sixth week, but my girlfriend and I have already had at least one student per week, per class, testing positive for COVID and in turning missing classes until they successfully test negative. Unfortunately, the University of Maine administration continues in 2023 to approach the question of COVID on campus ambivalently, stating in its official pronouncements that masks are welcome, but required only at the individual professor's request. Therefore, many classes have enrollments that are totally unmasked, and some have enrollments requiring to wear masks. Guess which ones contribute more to the increasingly transmissible variants COVID is gracing us with this year? To date, our country has had 104 million cumulative reported cases of COVID since the first reported instances of the disease on January 21st, 2020. Ultimately, the U.S. continues to be the world's leader in COVID, proving we are the most hospitable people to the virus, engendering 16% of the world's 674 million cases when we're only 4% of the world's population. One million of the world's 674 million reported cases were recorded this past week. Elsewhere on the planet, major industrialized nations continue to hold second through seventh places in cumulative numbers of infection, respectively India, France, Germany, Brazil, Japan, and South Korea. On the fatal front globally, current numbers of deaths due to COVID are officially at 6.9 million, while COVID deaths here in the United States, according to Johns Hopkins and other credible sources, are presently at 1.2 million. Worldwide, more than 13.4 billion doses of vaccine have been administered, but remember only 68% of all Americans are vaccinated, and only half of those vaccinated have had a minimum of one booster shot since.
Today in 1927 in Miami, Florida, Sidney Poitier was born and then was raised in the Bahamas on a Cat Island tomato farm, during which time he received only a year and a half of grammar school education. After a hitch in the army, he decided to try acting, though because of his strong island accent, he failed his first audition for Harlem's American Negro Theater and was temporarily reduced to living in public restrooms and doing menial odd jobs. His tenacity, however, and diligently studying accents of those around him helped him succeed in signing a contract after re-auditioning with the same earlier casting director. Acclaimed work on Broadway and in films from 1948 on led to his receiving an Oscar for Best Actor, the first black actor to do so, for his lead in the 1963 film Lilies of the Field. Today is also the birthday in 1633 of Dutch painter Jan de Ben, in 1805 of American abolitionist, women's rights activist, and suffragette Angelina Grimke. In 1902, of American landscape photographer Ansel Adams. In 1925, of American screenwriter and director Robert Altman. In 1929, of American actress Amanda Blake. In 1934, of American auto racer Bobby Unser. In 1937, of American R&B jazz vocalist Nancy Wilson. In 1941, of indigenous Canadian-American folk singer Buffy St. Marie. In 1946, of American actress Sandy Duncan. And in 1947, of American actress Jennifer O'Neill. For more on O'Main, I'm R.W. Estella with a word in Edgewise. Here's to the 10th week of winter, to the 8th week of the new year, to the fact that officially only three weeks of winter remain, and to a happy President's Day.